Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and in today's episode, I interviewed Dr. Barb Dupree, CEO and founder of Middlesex MD. Middlesex MD is a sexual health resource for women in perimenopause and beyond. They provide medically accurate content and suggest products that have been proven to help women continue to have great sex even after menopause. Dr. Barb Dupree is super impressive. She's a practicing gynecologist and women's health provider for over 30 years, and she's been specializing in menopause for the last 10. She was named the 2013 Certified Menopause Practitioner of the Year by the North American Menopause Society for Exceptional Contributions to Menopause Care. Go, Dr. Barb. You are boss babe. In this episode, we talk about sex after menopause, the role of estrogen for comfortable sex, and the importance of maintaining intimacy with yourself or with a partner after menopause. Enjoy. Hi, Dr. Barb. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so great to meet you. I was checking out your website, Middlesex MD, and I am so excited to talk to you today. Um, you are working on some really, really important stuff, and I think our listeners are going to love this conversation. Good. Well, in my world, I feel like this is really important stuff too, so I hope others can relate <laughs> to that. Definitely. Why don't you start by telling our listeners about your background? Where are you from? What'd you study? You know, how'd you end up here? Yes. So I'm a gynecologist um, living in the Midwest. And about 12 to 14 years ago, I um, stepped away from a more traditional OBGYN practice and focused on just perimenopause and menopausal women's health. So my last um, number of years in practice has been a really kind of a, a very focused practice. So it has um, generally women 40 and over, again, perimenopause, menopause, sexual health. About that same time, I went to um, go back to school and did a uh, master's in medical management. I did that while I was practicing. And part of the coursework for the master's was to create a business. And so each of the physicians in the class had to make a business plan and present it to our colleagues in the class. And mine was Middlesex MD, a sexual health website for women. At that time, I was doing a deep dive into, you know, what areas of women's health, was there a lack of knowledge? Was there a lack of information, maybe um, products or resources? And so as I presented this to my colleagues um, in the master's program, it was sort of voted most likely to succeed, so to speak. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to launch this. I'm, I'm going to yes, do it. Yes, yes. So anyway, it, it went from a homework project, kind of a dream to an actuality. And I launched it about 10 years ago. Amazing. And what does Middlesex MD do? So Middlesex MD, my, my goal was really to create a space that was safe and comfortable 
for women's sexual health, for women to learn about sexual health. And again, more focused on the 40 and older, although I certainly have a lot of visitors and questions from younger women as well. But we really recognize that in the physiology of women, the perimenopause and menopause and the impact of hormones physically have a big impact of sexual health. Mm-hmm. And it's really not often recognized. So I was hearing from women over and over and over again about their dissatisfaction, their loss of interest, their loss of comfort, their lack of engagement. And as a result, a number of relationships just, they don't survive that. I became more passionate about trying to get a message out more broadly to women. It's one thing for me to do it one-on-one in the um, room and for me to ask and help guide women. But because this problem is so prevalent, um, we just, you know, I just felt like the information should be more broadly made available. So it's about really talking women through the understanding of the impact of perimenopause, menopause, hormones to sexual health, what the consequences of that are, what some solutions might be, have some products, um, you know, some print material, some kind of soft touch, you know, massage oils, some of those kinds of things. So Mm -hmm. really trying to help women just address a variety of aspects of sexual health. I love this. We've had um, Clit Health on uh, with uh, Crystal out of LA, and they are doing sex ed for teenagers and college age students, you know, who have questions and Clit Health is targeting them. And their branding is very like pink and colorful and digital. And it's like a chat, you know, you text with it. And then there's Lindsay Harper, Dr. Lindsay Harper with um, Meet Rosie. And it's for women struggling with an actual sexual dysfunction, right? And then now yeah. it's like you are targeting these women that are in this later stage and due to changes in hormones because of menopause, there's this another other phase of sexual wellness that women could can be learning about. That's incredible. And also like, wow, we have so many phases in women's lives. <laughs> You know, and I think it's it's an under recognized quality of life aspect. Mm-hmm. So, ninety four percent of American adults, so men and women, feel that sexual satisfaction is an important quality of life. Mm-hmm. And only ten to twenty percent of those people say they've ever talked with a provider about any questions or, you know, understanding wow. of that. Yeah. So, idea of getting to the masses, recognizing that the healthcare providers themselves don't prioritize it because mm-hmm. of time or comfort with the with the discussion. So it is, in my mind, an unmet need, like you said, from teens, you know, throughout the mm-hmm. span. Yeah. So it's exciting to think that there are increasing options and avenues available. Yeah. And what how does menopause affect um, sexual wellness for women? So we learned from, you know, Dr. Harper that, you know, her, she's targeting women that actually have like a neurobiological change, you know, um, what does menopause do that causes a, a decrease in sexual wellness? So probably the most consistent and specific change is the consequence of the loss of estrogen with menopause and the targeted impact that has on the vulva, vagina, and lower urinary tract. And that's an area that has just the most abundant estrogen receptor status. Therefore, the consequence of absence of estrogen is it's hugely impacted in the genitals. Our term, our newer clinical term over the last couple of years is the genital urinary syndrome of menopause. 
But what happens, the physiology of those tissues is without estrogen, there's less blood supply, there's less sensitivity. Vagina becomes more narrow. It loses the elasticity required mm. to have comfort with sex. There's more dry, thin, fragile. And so sex becomes more painful. So what do you do? You avoid it. Well, the less sex you have, um, the more uncomfortable it becomes. Mm. And women don't connect the dots that it's actually a menopausal event. A lot of women aren't sure, think maybe it's just aging. They don't know that there are safe and effective treatments. I did a, a article for a journal about lubricant selections, and I went to my Walgreens, and there were 42 different vaginal products on the shelf, and I went to Rite Aid, and there were like 21, and you know, they're different, and you know, some have some appeal on the box, and some have lightning bolts, and <laughs> I didn't even know how to navigate, so I need a lubricant. Like, what do I do? I do this? Um, the woman <laughs> and he comes home with something that's pretty snazzy and yeah. um and it's it puts her on fire because it's painful. So anyway, yeah. I, it just might be some simple solutions. So I my website has some curated products, a, a limited selection, kind of talking through how to, for instance, how to select a lubricant, how to select a moisturizer, how to pick a vibrator. You know, a lot of women, believe it or not, haven't explored with a vibrator. And I, I have used the analogy, when you can't see as well, you get readers. You don't stop reading. Well, when you can't orgasm as well, hopefully you don't stop that. You, you figure out a device yes, or a tool. Yes, I love that analogy. So anyway, it was an attempt to try to find a safe and comfortable place for accurate information as well as products that might help women um, just improve or regain sexual health. Definitely. Wow. I never really took, um, into account that like it's the estrogen that's permitting the natural lubrication or the softness or the comfort, um, that, you know, the elasticity. I, you know, those things, I guess, as a 28 year old woman, I was like, those are natural and will always be there. So, you know, I bet a lot of women think that, and then they're surprised in menopause, right? Yeah, the statistic is within five years of menopause, about 50% of women are having painful sex that is not resolved mm. with the over-the-counter products. And then that number just keeps going up from there. So it, and there's been some research in the past that said when sex is good, it adds 15 to 20% additional value to relationships. But when it's bad or non-existent, the negative impact is up to 50 to 70% mm-hmm. of people impact in a relationship. So my goal was really to help women recognize the importance of maintaining intimacy. And um, while women will acknowledge it, you, you know, their understanding of needing to put effort into it. You know, the other thing is for 30 years, it's been there for you. It, mm-hmm. It's somewhat effortless. And now when it needs attention, it's a journey sometimes of what do I need to do? How do I do this? I've never done this um, again. So my, it was my attempt to help women navigate that in an effort to maintain their sexual relationship. How much do you think social stigma is compounding this problem for women? Because it's not only a menopause social stigma, but now it's a painful sex social stigma. And so what do you, do you think that, you know, 
that's why women aren't talking about it or that it's like most people don't know how many women are having painful sex? You know, it's a combination of all of those things. Um, so there was a fairly large survey done not that long ago. 76% of women said that they didn't talk to the provider about because they just didn't think there was actually any treatment for it. Mm. So they never asked. Um, 71% thought their doctor was going to dismiss their concerns and say, you know, just say, oh, oh sorry, it's just the way it goes. Yep. thought their doctor was actually going to be uncomfortable if they brought it up. So all of those things work negatively to, to make it uh, a conversation. Yeah. Do you think we can somehow bring like the partner into the conversation? Like, can we empower men to also say like, Hey honey, you're in this beautiful phase of menopause and like, you know, I saw on this website called Middlesex MD and look at that, you know, they have some pretty cool products or what do you, what's your take on getting the man into or the partner, whoever into the conversation for the woman? Well, I do on the website have a Q and a opportunity to ask a question. And I would say a third of the questions come from men. Wow. So no men are visiting the site. I think trying to help find solutions for their partner, mm-hmm. um, because Obviously, it's a unique aspect of your health that is mostly shared. <laughs> Someone else is also impacted by this. Yep. So it's, I think you're spot on. If we educated men more about it, I think we'd have a lot more success in therapy, just having the support of that partner um, rather than saying, oh, they're going to give you a prescription for that? Really? Do you think you should or it's safe? I I think we have to educate men about the safety and effectiveness of treatments and let them recognize the what, what's happening. And a lot of women will talk about their painful sex and really say their partner doesn't even know it. They somehow figure out how to hide the grimace. Um, but they don't even know how to approach the conversation. So the site has also, you know, for my patients, I'll say, you know, bring your husband on the site, help him understand what it is you're going through and why you found yourself. And, you know, together you can kind of move forward. Yeah. You said you have lubrications on the website and that makes sense in my head in terms of like the, you know, composition of the lubrication and it being, you know, good for the woman's body and doing, you know, not necessarily needing to be cherry flavored and, you know, have heating effects, right? Just needs to just lubricate it. But um, what about the toys? Is it, uh, there are they like specific shapes and sizes based on toys or is it a specific um, like material that they're made out of that's important for these women? Well, when I was doing my homework for this and, you know, really part of this came out of women saying, well, where can I get a vibrator? Okay, well, I can send you to a couple of, websites, which I won't name names, but you know, there are 640 to choose from (laughs) and they're off-putting. Most of the names and the shapes, they're not what a mature 52 year old really wants to order and own. Mm -hmm. So it was really my goal to try to, again, curate not 600 different options, but you know, 15 different options that are nicely designed of high quality, um, products Mm -hmm. and um, you know, easy to use, so to speak. It didn't have to have, you know, 42 different things and 
you know, since my music or or whatever, not that that's not good, but it's more about a different price range, you know, and, and different materials and, um, ease of use and got it. So it sounds like it's not necessarily like there is, there's a specific shape these women should use or specific material, but rather these women have so much on their plate already. And so you kind of curated like, Hey, typically women in your age, your phase, like, here's what they like. I'll make it simple for you. Like, here's some, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we have a YouTube link on how to select a vibrator and have, you know, done blog posts on how to select a vibrator and help women think through why they might choose one over the other. Mm-hmm. So it's really designed to, you know, help women navigate it. And and it might be a hard question to ask a provider. Yeah. Um, so it, it's an opportunity to have the conversation, so to speak, um, with the privacy of their own home and, yeah. and do kind of their research yeah. in a comfortable spot. And I mean, they're getting advice from you. I know, um, when we post your episode, we're going to put up your headshot, you know, but you to me look like a really wise woman who's, you know, lived a lot, talked to a lot of people. No, you're not going to be surprised or shame me. You know, you look like a woman I could trust. And when I go to my local sex shop, my friend works there and he is like a 28 year old, very gay man who is a good friend to me, but there are certain things that when I try to describe stuff to him, he does not understand what, how vaginas work like that. You know, he's like, you know, and so I can imagine a woman going through menopause and struggling, going over to this shop and talking to John. I love you, John, by the way, if you're listening, do love you. But you know, maybe he's not the right, you know, word of wisdom for what toy you should buy for this woman who's who's struggling with this. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, being a gynecologist, um, it, it's just a really special relationship, a trusted relationship that you have with patients. So mm-hmm. it feels like the natural place that we, we want women to go to seek answers. Um, but in the busyness of life and practice, you know, you don't always have the luxury of time necessarily. Mm-hmm. So this to do that. And, um, yeah, I think the women who have given me feedback, what, one of the first women before I did the website, which helped prompt me to do this, she came into my practice and she was having a sexual concern and we successfully treated it. I got this beautiful bouquet of flowers mm-hmm. about a week later, this absolutely gorgeous bouquet of flowers. And I remember standing in my office, I can still picture where I was and looking at these flowers thinking, you know what, this is really meaningful to women when they can have this problem solved. I hadn't gotten a lot of flowers sent to me over the years of, you know, other things, but it it was kind of an aha moment of this is a high value to many women. And if I can really help women in this area, this will be a win. Um, So yeah, it's, it's been, um, it's been really rewarding. And I've had, um, you know, I had a couple, it was a, she was a few years postmenopausal and, um, she was waiting to have sex until they were married and, um, a second marriage for both of them. And she came into my office and I couldn't even put a Q-tip in her vagina. Literally. I'm not exaggerating. It was one of the most dramatic changes I had seen. And I later said to her, I'm glad you couldn't see my face at that moment because, 
I knew your desire was to have sex. And I looked at you thinking, I don't know how this is going to happen. Well, together we worked through it and, you know, she learned about dilators and, you know, we did proper treatment and, um, and I got this lovely letter from her husband. They were married, you know, months later and the, he helped her in this journey and just what, how meaningful it was to mm. them that this area of their life was, was going to be enjoyed. Yes. And, for some women, they step away from it. They feel like it's no longer possible, Yeah, but it is of high value. Oh my goodness. That is beautiful. You're, you're really helping out. I feel like everyone I interview, I'm like, you're changing the world. I'm just interviewing you. <laughs> just, you know, I'm so grateful yeah. to hear the stories. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's really rewarding, I will say. But um, again, kind of in the privacy of, of my office, mm-hmm. having these and interacting with the patients online too. They're the customers online. So they, they do share a lot. And I think women, um, it's kind of an interesting space where women are so vocal and, you know, can share a lot, but there is still a little bit in your generation probably is going to be a little different than mine about how willing we are to share our sex stories, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, a lot of women still don't feel like they even have a sister or a trusted friend they can disclose all of mm. that with. So it's, but women need answers. Yeah. Um, can't journey this alone in isolation. So mm. I think that's been part of the frustration of the website is trying to get the brand out there because as you know, with advertising and marketing, we're so limited in what we can say, what words we can use, where we can promote it. So that's been a big obstacle for me to really get the word out. Um, Yes, definitely. Well, I'm so grateful we could do it through our podcast. And that's, you know, something that we find, unfortunately, a lot in femtech, whether that is in the sexual wellness space, which the barriers are just so high to get into, you know, the typical marketing spaces like Facebook ads or God forbid, TV ads or <laughs> magazines, you know, but even, um, you know, period companies have struggles with saying the word period or menstruation. And so it's insane. These are part of our lives. But, um, you know, how often do we see erectile dysfunction advertisements? But to talk about, you know, women lacking lubrication due to change in their hormones because of menopause, it's like, oh, God, no, well, no, 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 we can't, we can't have that. You know, that's, it's crazy. So I'm grateful for your efforts to continue to elevate the conversation and, you know, find other ways to network yes. people who are trying to accomplish the same thing, because yeah. I think it's going to take an army of women to really do this. And I think you know, the other thing we sometimes struggle with is there's a lot of, I don't know if we call it misinformation or disinformation out there on women's health issues as well. So I think that would be one of my goals of continued femtech innovation would be around, um, is there a way to highlight more accurate resources and, you know, try to dissuade or steer away from some of the, um, yeah. I think the whole world needs a fact checker on it. I think <laughs> there's so many areas in the world right now that need a fact check <laughs> and Femta could definitely use one too. Yes. Yeah, so so that, I'll put that challenge out to your listeners to help me figure out a way to um, 
yeah, elevate the more reliable scientific, you know, good science um, products that are out there because there's, there's a lot of people are being taken advantage of this as well. Yeah, that's right. Well, speaking of how like impactful your work is, I saw on your website that you actually have a specific section for sex after breast cancer. Tell me about that. Is that like a really prevalent issue or why does breast cancer affect sex after recovery? Um, What's going on there? Well, breast cancer obviously is not an unusual diagnosis. Um, this statistic is roughly one in eight to one in nine American women over their lifetime will have a breast cancer, with age being one of the biggest risk factors. So um, just aging American women, obviously, at any time we're at risk, but even more so as we age. And a lot of the treatments, um, not surprising, have to do with hormones, mm. um, Breast cancers have estrogen receptor positivity, meaning the treatment is targeted to mitigate estrogen impact. And it's often not only just targeted to the breast, but often other target organs get impacted by that um, interference yeah. with hormones or you know, further reduction in, in circulating hormones. So obviously you want that um, benefit for the cancer treatment, but you know, the unintended consequence, I will say, oftentimes results in sexual um, dysfunctions as well, primarily pain. So I think that's a special subset of women that we're really trying to help because a lot of our therapeutic options for women are vaginal estrogens and low-dose estrogens. And most of our professional organizations and the science behind it has suggested that women can use vaginal estrogen, even after having a breast cancer diagnosis, that we're not disseminating it. It doesn't become systemic. It is truly just locally having its impact. There's still some general fear and reluctance for acceptance to that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do women know that using a vibrator consistently helps blood supply and keep those tissues healthier um, do they know if they start early with a moisturizer, they may, may retain or maintain moisture before it's lost um, for a longer duration of times? So it, it is a special subset that we just don't have the same tools available to us necessarily. Um, laser treatments have been seen to be effective, but there's been you know a bit of a shadow cast on that because of some of the safety issues and needing a little bit more data. So it is a unfortunate group of women who are left sometimes without um, really adequate treatments. Yeah. So wait, is that why you're suggesting vibrators on your website? Because it increases blood flow and keeps things healthier? It does. That's awesome. I didn't know. I was just like, yeah, because women deserve great vibrated orgasms. But (laughs) I didn't realize that there was actually physiology behind it. There is. Yeah, there is physiology behind it. And, um, and, you know, a lot of women in this stage of life are single that, you know, they may not have a sexual partner. Well, guess what? It's important to maintain sexual health in yep. that as well. Yep. So how can you do that? Um, a vibrator is a great tool mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some women are just not thinking in those terms. Um, so it's our responsibility, I think, to help them understand the importance of, of thinking about that. I mean, you just told me why, because I, I definitely had a paradigm about just, you know, 
just sex toys and pleasure. But now I'm understanding like, oh, wait, no, it's about like blood flow and keeping it yeah. awake and <laughs> open. And yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And you keep saying lubrications and then you also say moisturizers. What's the difference? Is there? Yeah, there is. That's a great question. So a lubricant is something you would take out tonight because I'm going to have sex and I want it to be more comfortable and slippery and wet. And so you'd grab a lubricant. Mm-hmm. Lubricants come in a few different varieties, water-based, um, hybrid silicone. There are different reasons to maybe select different ones. But moisturizers are an effort to prevent dryness, maintain moisture. They're used on an ongoing basis. They have really nothing to do with having sex tonight and have comfort now. But we all are moisturizing our skin in hopes that it, you know, we preserve mm-hmm. um, what we speak. So moisturizers are an effort to do that. But you really need to start it before it's dry and thin and fragile. Um, it won't necessarily regain moisture but it will help you retain yeah got it got it thank you i'm sorry i like drove us off the breast cancer train there but i just realized that i had learned something that i want to make our listeners you know realize why those products are so important um so that is so interesting about the um as a scientist it's interesting that the breast cancer treatment usually is hormone based because it's uh usually something to do with estrogen receptors causing the the uh breast cancer and that you know well if you treat with hormones the hormones in the rest of your body are going to get messed up and um you know we had Dr. Julie Hakim on here and she invented the vaginal stint which is going to help reduce um, scar tissue in the vagina when a woman gets radiation in her pelvic area, right? Yeah. And, you know, what we talked about was, you know, the public is says, oh my God, you survived ovarian cancer. Congratulations, your life, you're amazing. And meanwhile, on the inside, she's like, oh my God, I should be grateful, but I, I can't have sex with my partner. It's so painful. Like, I should be happy. And, and so you're, are you seeing that same things and that's what you're addressing on your website? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, it's a real crossroads for women to try to, to navigate because like you said, they're so grateful to have the successful treatment, but you know, we're diagnosing a lot of breast cancers in young women most breast cancer patients are surviving their breast cancer and they've got a a long life ahead of them trying to navigate their quality of life based on, you know, recommended treatments. And so it's, I think an important conversation to have with women around risks and benefits. And I think there are perceived risks for some of the treatments that may not be actual risks. So again, it's, it's a, it takes a lot of time to really help women understand and navigate um, some of those decisions because oncologists in general, and I don't like to generalize, but, you know, again, their focus is keeping women alive and cancer free, um, which is the big dot on everybody's radar. But meanwhile, there are a lot of things going on in their lives that impact the quality of their life, including Life. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if the oncologists are, uh, you know, sitting down and being like, by the way, one of the consequences is vaginal dryness. <laughs> and, you know, if you're an oncologist, yeah. breast cancer, call us up. We want to message us. We want to interview you about this. But, um, and I think another interesting point along that line too, is women who've 
are recommended a surgical treatment for their non-cancer, um, you know, uterine fibroids and bleeding and, oh, we'll take your ovaries out while we're there. And, you know, the impact of losing hormones prematurely and ovaries are a source of testosterone. We're back to libido and drive now. A lot of women say, I just had this patient in my office last week. Had I had this conversation, I would have never chosen to do that. Wow. So I think as a medical community, we could do a whole lot better for our patients mm -hmm. by elevating this conversation and at least letting women have a more informed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. decision. Does your estrogen in your body get affected if you have a mastectomy? If you have your breast removed? No, that no. won't impact okay. estrogen, circling estrogen levels. Really, your ovaries are your primary source of estrogen, although there's a little bit of peripheral conversion that happens in other areas, but breasts themselves are not a source of estrogen. Got it, got They're it. They're tissue of estrogen. Yeah. That's why you're that kind of doctor, and that's why I'm a PhD kind of doctor. <laughs> I don't know those things. <laughs> we both have our but um, our overlap a little bit, yeah. but not everything. Yep. And um, another biology question, like anatomy question, is if you get your tubes tied, um, does that decrease estrogen? Because you still have your ovaries in there. Correct. Yep. Okay. So no, it did not impact hormonal function at all. So, Got it. Yeah. Thanks for the little lesson there. <laughs> so informative. Well, something else I saw on your website that was very interesting is that you have a women's sexual health recipe, and the recipe has five ingredients. Do you want to tell our listeners what those five ingredients are and why they're the ingredients for sexual health? Yeah, so that's the way the website is set up, and um, it starts with knowledge. So the five are knowledge, comfort, sensation, tone and intimacy and knowledge is sort of back to the you know what's happening physiologically and what are the consequences and you know talking through some of that comfort is just like it sounds so intercourse should be comfortable sex should be pain-free and um if it's not these are some of the things that could be impacting it and what could you do as a result of that you could use a lubricant you could use a moisturizer sensation is more around arousal and ability to arouse an orgasm and sensation is impacted with aging with other medications with heart disease with so again talking through women why sensation might be impacted and then what could you do to improve it um use a vibrator for instance um tone you know pelvic floor is a pretty incredible area where so much is going on you've got this really complex network of muscles and through that you've got the urethra the vagina the rectum intersecting it and they're all trying to do their proper muscular um function and then intercourse of course is impacted by that and there are a lot of things that can disrupt pelvic floor health um so pelvic floor tone and the sensation you experience with um intercourse and um what happens with orgasm, you know, the contractions of the pelvic floor, but there are devices that can help increase pelvic floor tone. There are dilators that can help reduce pelvic floor tone. So again, are there some simple home remedies, so to speak, that you could maybe improve that? Um, also outlining the importance of pelvic floor physical therapy, for instance. Mm -hmm. And then intimacy is really more discussion around 
you know, in the end, our brains play a really critical role in wanting to be intimate. And so what are some things to think about in that? And, you know, reinforcing the idea of novelty and foreplay and, and we sell massage oil from, you know, candles that burn into massage oil, just mm-hmm. massage oil, or, you know, some written materials to help, um, help enhance that. And just helping women understand that the success of sexual health has these multiple components that um, there may be an area to address of only one. There may be multiple areas to address and also maybe just setting the stage so women know how to have the conversation with their own provider to do a a good public exam to help them know what exactly might be impacting because you know it's an area that you can't assess on your own necessarily either there's not a great familiarity it's not visually very accessible Mm -hmm. for women so some women just need some more language to help understand and know how they could ask the right questions of their own providers. Wow. I love this recipe and I can see how important it is for women in, you know, peri and post-menopause, but I also feel like we should really be, you know, pioneering this recipe for young women too. Like young women should be learning about intimacy and comfort and knowledge and sensation and, you know, um, yeah. I, I feel like I, you know, I have, I have so many, you know, I just want to go out there and like befriend some like young women and, and be like, Hey, listen, I don't know if you're struggling with this question or this or that. And like, I just want to be their big sister and like talk to them about it, you know, because I know for myself, like in college, like intimacy and comfort sensation, like those were not things that were necessarily like. I thought were priorities. I thought like, oh, it's just college and you get crazy and this is what you do, you know, and I only come by myself. I guess that's just how it is. And it's like, no, you know, there's just so many things that I had to grow up and, you know, have so many experiences till I finally was like, hey, wait, this is what I like. And I'm going to tell you what I like. And this is how I like it. And this is important to me. And no, 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 we're not. We got to do a massage first, you know, slow down, like, you know, but it took so long to learn that. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it is helpful to recognize that it's a journey, but for a lot of women, they don't journey themselves. They Mm. they don't recognize. I had a, I had a 72 year old woman. I was seeing her for a vulvar condition and, you know, I do a sexual health and she'd been married literally for like 50 years. You know, she'd married fairly young and, um, she had never had an orgasm and I talked her through, you know, about sex and intimacy and how to think about it and how to achieve it. And she came back, she'd had her first orgasm on her own. And now her burden was to, how do I let my husband know that this is something that for 50 years I've it's been missing in yes. life really about him and it was all over in two and a half minutes and it was never about her pleasure. And so it was a really, it was a really fun thing to help her arrive at that place and give her some understanding about why it might be important, even at this age and stage to further explore this and achieve this. I want to do a whole episode on orgasm, like birth orgasm, like 
you not having orgasms. There's lots of different things. I think we can have a big conversation about that. But how prevalent is it that for women to not be having orgasms? Because honestly, I have a few friends in my life currently that say they have never had one. And, you know, I try to approach it very gently. What my insides though, where I'm like, what? Oh my God, you know? And I just want to hug them and tell them to use things and, you know, fix them. I don't know, but maybe it doesn't even need fixing. What is my paradigm of pleasure? Who knows? But what is the prevalence? Is this nor like common? The statistic is around 4% of women never have orgasm and orgasmed and can't and mm. won't. That just, you know, I don't think we have a full understanding neurologically of why that can't happen. For the majority, it can. You know, a lot of women just haven't explored what it takes to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's do, a journey. Do you think evolutionarily we are, um, it may not be uncommon for women to not have orgasms because the male orgasm is you know, him ejaculating to fertilize the egg. So like, what is the, what is the reproductive benefit of a woman orgasming? Is there one? I don't, I think that's really debated and not understood. Mm -hmm. Um, Conception happens without orgasm. Um, (laughs) there, There is some suggestion of actual location of the clitoris from the opening of the vagina because the majority of women don't orgasm with intercourse mm-hmm. and that's another not well understood phenomena so a lot of women I always ask that question and then reassure them you know what you're typical this mm-hmm. is this is really so I don't know if that's something that has changed over you know millennia of human beings the actual location of the clitoris and in, in um relative to the vagina, but there is some measurement that in theory, if it's closer to the opening of the vagina, maybe you can have an orgasm with intercourse. I, I think they're probably in a good way. There will always be some mysteries. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. The scientists in me, I just have so many questions, but I'm also totally fine with the answer being like, well, we don't know yet, you know, like, that's Mother Nature. She's mysterious. Well, yes. Dr. Barb, this has been such an amazing conversation. I have um, two more questions for you. The first being, we have a lot of um, aspiring femtech founders on our platform that are listening and engaging with us on social media, and they want to get you know innovate something and start a femtech company, but they don't know in what area of women's health and wellness they should do it in. What area of women's health and wellness do you think still needs innovating? Well, I'll go back to my earlier comment about um, information on the you know the fact check. So help me out with you know mm. <laughs> um, accuracy of information and how can, how can, is there a mechanism to um, have a better understanding of that because I think that is still a big area. And I, um, I think, you know, one area that women grieve a lot about is the libido. And I know you mentioned Dr. Lindsay Harper, um, trying to help women address that. I do think we need some more science around Mm. the chemistry and the physiology and, um, I think, uh, you know, many, many women find themselves in really loving relationships but you know, there's a loss of drive and 
you know, women can hear about, you know, fatigue and boredom and body image and all get that, but there still are a lot of women who are truly, you know, find a lovely, emotionally supportive relationship, but still lack drive. And so between the understanding that, that I, I wouldn't say that's abnormal. I would say many women experience that they grieve it. So helping women understand that, but also can we, can we find out more about that? Mm-hmm. Um, women, more solutions to that. Yes, um, definitely. I love it. Yeah. You know, more research is, has been a common response to this. So, um, yeah. and what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs? Just more awareness, yeah. you know, and women coming on board. We need more women alongside. And I'm so excited to think there is something called femtech, mm-hmm. you know, it exists now. Um, when I started the website 10 years ago, Again, it's been a bit of a frustration slugging along, but the comment was, you're too soon, you're too soon, you're too Mm -hmm. soon. Um, Well, I feel like that's not, that's not true anymore that, you know, it really, women are are really rushing into this um, wellness place. And so I think fine tuning and um, yeah, just, just more really bright women and energetic women like you devoting yourself to furthering this space is going to be. I'm excited to see where this will go in the next 10 years. Yes, definitely. We actually on Femtech Focus's uh, social media pages, we just posted a graph we pulled from Google Trends. You can see how often someone has Googled a word um, over years worth and not as an individual, as a whole. How many times was that word Googled? And so we looked up Femtech over the past 10 years. And it goes from like nothing to like the last four years. It's literally on this exponential curve and it's so exciting. And I just, it makes me sleep better at night. Cause you know, I'm, I'm, you know, do I work hard on femtech focus and sometimes I'm like, this is worth it. Right. And then I see the graph and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're in it. We're on, you know, we're right in the trend, you know, we're doing it. That's really exciting. I, I just think that's really cool. Yeah. Well, this has been so amazing. We will definitely link your uh, website and our social media posts and have our listeners check out your website. Um, again, listeners, I thought your website really wasn't just for women in menopause, although that's who, who the target is. You know, you can learn a lot from it regardless, you know, based on that recipe and your different products. So um, I can't wait for everyone to check it out. Well, thanks, Brittany. I appreciate your invitation today and my opportunity to get to speak about something I'm passionate about. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my interview with Dr. Barb Dupree, CEO and founder of Middlesex MD. Dr. Barb says when you can't see well, you get readers. So when you can't orgasm as easily, you deserve to get a product that assists you. Over 50% of women experience painful sex after menopause, and that doesn't need to be the case. There are solutions, and Middlesex MD highlights them. And also, after this interview, I have a whole new respect for vibrators and why they are important to the world. <laughs> you can check out more um, you know, toys, lubes, content, everything you need to know about sex after menopause at middlesexmd.com. Now, please support the podcast by sharing it with your network, subscribing, rating, and reviewing, and follow us on social media so you can get all the new updates on what's happening 
at Femtech Focus. This week, we also had our new downloads happening in Indonesia, Thailand, Hawaii, and Africa. Welcome to the podcast, y'all. If you're listening and you're that Hawaiian or uh, Africa, Thailand, Indonesia, shout out to you. Thanks for uh, subscribing. I love seeing how this podcast is growing around the world. And so now, um, in closing, remember, everybody, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.